Well, welcome to the Fully Charged Cast. Uh, my name is Joe. I'm here with uh, Matt. What's up? And Frank. Hello. And, you know, we have a great show for you guys today. Uh, we're going to be just talking about a few topics. So uh, we're going to be going over some of the expos that happened in the last few weeks. Um, I'm, you know, sorry for our absence. We've just been kind of tied up with some real life stuff. Unfortunately, Brent wasn't able to join us today. So we'll be uh, doing the show without him, but he'll obviously be joining us in the future. Um, so I guess let's just start off. Um, guys, uh, what do you guys think about Comic-Con? Like, what do you, what like great things or takeaways did you get from it this, uh, this year? Uh, there were a lot of trailers um, for properties that we already knew about, but they expanded on it a bit. DC really seems like it's taken a hard turn to try to save their brand. They even started their newest trailer with Wonder Woman, and this is the, like, to lead it off, which was a success for them. So they want to try to get people's goodwill back. They even tried to show off a good sense of humor during uh, the trailers itself. I mean, yeah, I'd agree with that. I saw that like DC was doing a big push. Um, I mean, I'm not as familiar with every uh, property that they're trying to go after, but I mean, Matt, like, what do you know of any DC stuff that's happening this year? Movies? Yeah, that are gonna be coming out. I think it's just uh, Justice League the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, we got Wonder Woman and Justice League, and then next year it's I don't I don't know. I think Aquaman. Aquaman, I think, is Aquaman the Flash next year? Yeah, I think so. I think Cyborg gets his standalone movie after Justice League Part 2. Yeah, I mean, I saw the Justice League trailer. It actually looks um, pretty exciting. I mean, it's actually probably one I'd be looking forward to seeing just because, you know, you don't really get to see DC too often. It's, like, not as popularized, so I'm kind of excited about that. Um, Any other takeaways that you kind of noticed or... Any other universes that are being highlighted? Like movie-wise? Well, just in general. Just like comics, movies, in general. Uh, They had the new Thor trailer drop that I uh, still haven't had a chance to check out. It was cool. It showed the tone of the movie a bit more. If you're familiar with that arc in the comics, it's looking like it's a kind of combining a little bit of World War Hulk and the Ragnarok storyline, which were pretty cool, but they're kind of changing certain characters. But interestingly enough, this one will probably be the most like Norse mythology, as they showed like a shot of this big wolf. And if you know your Norse mythology, that's Fenris wolf. It's, uh, it's going to eat the moon during the Ragnarok, which is like the end of the world. It's a cool kind of thing. For sure. Um, and then... Uh, <laughs> A little bit on the nerdier side, and I will admit, uh, I'm not a huge part of that fandom, but uh, this long-running Archie Sonic the Hedgehog series is officially ending, and it's got bought by IW or IDW Comics and will be continued by them. It's not something I've read since I was a kid, but there's like a soft spot, and it is the longest single-run um, comic series uh, ever. It has more issues. It's never undo- completed a reboot. It stayed numbered in sequence up until recently and uh, it's kind of a cool achievement even if you're not into that i haven't read them in years i'm sure they're not very good but they kept going and that's a pretty cool feat i thought i'd kind of point that out and that was officially announced at comic-con that idw comics uh which have done some really cool adaptations of classic transformers and things like that lately are uh taking the mantle on that I mean, I saw some pretty cool stuff like when it came to toys as well. Because I mean, obviously, Comic Con is used to like highlight a lot of that kind of stuff. And 
I mean, I can't remember exactly like what series of toys are coming out, but I mean, I saw there was like a wasn't there Star Wars toys that they're coming like coming out soon, and also like other things. I'm sure they showed Star Wars yeah. toys. I didn't see any, but I mean, there's a new movie coming out every year. They're gonna yeah. be doing toys for the rest of time. For sure. I mean, I know I saw some cool stuff like that. You know, I always get that merch and all that memorabilia out there. You know, that's. I mean, that's what's always exciting about those that stuff. Is like stuff that will be you'll be seeing in like the next few months that you can actually own. So I think that's always cool. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I know the big thing that we want to talk about a little bit more is probably more about uh, D23 Expo. I know, Frank, you, you were pretty excited yeah. about that more. I, I have a lot to talk about with that, yeah. if you guys don't mind. So feel free to chip in sometime so I'm sure. not eating up all the talking. Um, I have some notes here. So the biggest thing that they announced, D, uh, for those who don't know, D23 is Disney's annual expo where they kind of reveal – uh, like the the plan ahead for pretty much all things Disney. Um, this year was pretty cool because we finally got some details on the um, Disney World and Land Star Wars parks and Guardians of the Galaxy parks. They're not really like whole parks or like lands. Uh, if you're familiar with Disney World, there's four parks, and the Disney or the the Star Wars area will be added on to Hollywood Studios. I was actually down there recently, and you could see them kind of breaking ground on that and. It's looking pretty awesome. The big theme with that is called Galaxy's Edge. It's supposed to be a whole new planet area outpost kind of thing. And what's really neat is they're going for a big interactive interactive experience, almost like a role play thing where before you even set foot in the park, you can make a persona and a name and an occupation. And it's uh, it kind of goes with you. So every ride will refer to you as that, like, you know, it'll be Captain or Master Jedi so-and-so or whatever. Um, it's going to take place in the new movie era with like, you know, Ray and Finn and Kylo Ren and everything. Um, they've announced two rides so far, one where you get to pilot the Millennium Falcon against the first order. And what was the second one? I can't remember if I read it. Um, uh, I don't remember the other stuff. The other Star Wars thing they announced for Orlando's uh, park is near the park. They'll actually have a Star Wars themed hotel. That's meant to be like you're on a passenger ship traveling from system to system. Like everything will be Star Wars. That goes with the whole persona thing they're trying to go with on uh, creating a character and everything like that. Um, just the concept art alone is, if you're a fan of Star Wars, looks really cool. Um, then in addition to that, in Disney World or Disneyland California... Uh, Disney California Adventure is the second park there in Anaheim, and they're adding a Guardians of the Galaxy uh, Mission Breakout ride, which actually opened recently, but they're adding a whole section of the park to that. Uh, what else did they announce? Uh, an additional Guardians of the Galaxy stuff in Disney World. They're replacing the extremely outdated Ellen's Energy Adventure in Epcot with a Guardians of the Galaxy-themed experience, which is a little heartbreaking because there's dinosaurs on Alan's Energy Adventure, but I'll, I'll get over it, I think. Um, and that's the big park stuff. In addition to that, they also finally showed off some new footage of Kingdom Hearts 3. That's a long-awaited, geez, not third chapter, like eighth or ninth chapter in the Kingdom Hearts series. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, they don't use a regular... No. Number series. Um, I mean, it's always that's, that's always like the running joke is this what the numbering system for that thing? It's yeah. just, it's hilarious. Uh, one of them was like three sixty two and a half days yeah. or something like that. It's like <laughs> what the hell? Uh, two point eight 
point eight. You know, it's just ridiculous stuff like yeah. that. Um, that said, uh, you know, it looks cool. They showed off a Toy Story World, and it looked gorgeous. Like yeah, I saw that. It looked remember, great. Yeah. I remember thinking when I was a kid, man, I can't wait till video games look like this. And it's kind of crazy to see that that they they have they've hit that. It's there. Um, not to get all gushy, but that was pretty cool. It, it really did look like they were in the movie. Um, as far as other D23 stuff, that's all I really kept up on. I'm sure they talked about, oh, they talked a lot about Infinity War, but like most weird things nowadays, they show a trailer to the press, and the press is only allowed to describe it instead of just releasing it for everyone to see. I'm not really sure on that mentality, but whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think that's always the best move because, I mean, the thing is they should want to, like, I guess it brings some hype to it so that people don't know exactly what it is. It's like you just hear what's described, but you can also lose interest that way, too. I don't know. I mean, I I think it's a little conflicting on how to do that. Um, I don't know, Matt. Do you have anything that you know from that expo that you paid attention to? Uh, yeah, no, I'm going to be honest. I really didn't pay a whole lot of attention to anything with the expo. Okay. So, that's yeah. Fair. That's fair. Um, I don't know, is there anything in, uh, I mean, I know this isn't one of our topics, but I always like that we could always just throw it in there. Um, anything going in exciting with the Star Wars, uh, X-Wing universe at this moment? Um, there's some new ships that came out about a week and a half ago. I didn't hear about that. What were they? Uh, the Skurg bomber, Captain Nim from the Starfighter games, his ship. Ow. That's a, That's kind of obscure. Okay. And uh, the Azatuk gunship, which was in one episode of Star Wars Rebels. <laughs> and the Tie Aggressor from the Star Wars Galaxies MMO are now playable in FFG's Star Wars X-Wing Miniatures game. Some pretty obscure ships. Yeah, they're not, <laughs> they've got a whole thing of mine to mine from, and they're gonna take like stuff like that. It's kind of surprising. Yeah, I don't like them. <laughs> they're, I mean, I'm not a big fan of the aggressor. For I'm not gonna like get too much into like specifics about like X-wing competitive meta right now, but just from like a competitive standpoint, I don't like the ship that much. And the Skurg and the Azatuk are not fun to fly against. No, I feel like any new ship's going to be like that in that kind of game. Um, I mean, until I, a lot of strategies involved against them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like with any games, like meta just has to change and, you know, people will figure it out. But yeah, introduction of new ships can always be a pain, I'd imagine. Yeah. So I guess uh, the next thing we can just kind of head off to is this movies. Since we haven't really been on in a while, um, there was some like more major movies that did come out. I mean, for. I guess one that we could talk about is uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, since like me and Matt were the ones that saw that. Uh, Frank, unfortunately, has not seen it yet, um, which is fine. So, I mean, Matt, do you want to just kick us off on that a little bit? Like, what were your impressions with the movie? Um, so, yeah, I went and saw it. I've, I've talked a little bit how I've kind of been on, like, kind of indifferent towards, like, most superhero movies lately right now, but... I've I've always liked Spider Man and I was like, eh, like had some time so I was able to watch the kids, so me and Becca went and saw the movie opening night and uh I was I liked it a lot more than I expected to 
enjoy it. I was I kind of went in there not knowing a whole lot about the movie and having like minimal expectations for the movie, but it was the movie was a lot of fun and I've I've talked about it with you guys, but I I liked the movie a lot because it felt like the least MCU movie in the MCU. Like it it's it was connected to this whole broader 20 movie narrative that's been building up for almost 10 years, but it didn't feel like it was set in that universe as much as say Captain America Civil War or any of those other movies. It didn't the movie didn't feel like it was a trailer for the next movie, which is kind of what's been irritating me the last like four or five movies. What's been kind of nice though is while I don't disagree with you, they've done a pretty good job of learning from that. And while there are films in the Marvel universe that do that, like Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, you know, it obviously gave a sequel hook, but it didn't it didn't give a a big like bigger MCU hook. Um, there there are and Doc Strange same thing. It wasn't like here's a teaser for the next movie. It was it had a little minor thing, and it was really subtle. But even then, it wasn't anything. It was more like a sequel to Doctor Strange setting up instead of here's you know Infinity War or whatever. It's they've gotten. I feel like they've learned a little bit because they were pretty ridiculous for a while there, where it was basically you go to see a movie to see the trailer for the next movie. And it was it was getting silly. Yeah, um, I would, I would agree with that. Um, but... I mean, I haven't seen Spider-Man, I don't know, but they having seen Guardians 2, even though I was kind of mad about it, it, it at least felt like its own movie. It only talked about stuff from its own movie. It didn't reference anything that's going to affect the greater Marvel narrative. For sure. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with Matt about just the movie in general. I thought it was pretty entertaining myself. I actually had pretty low expectations going in just because of all the previous uh, Spider-Man movies in general. Um, I actually did like The Amazing Spider-Man and those that series a little bit. I mean, the people kind of hated on it a little, little bit more than you know, even the Tobey Maguire stuff, which I th- just think he's a horrible actor, so that's why I didn't like it. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I thought this movie was great. And I also liked that Marvel, they can finally actually tie in the universe. Um, just seeing, like, Iron Man and just, you know, the Marvel universe actually interacting with Spider-Man, I thought this made the movie in general just, like, more credible in a way and actually just kind of flowed better, too, because in that least, you know, they couldn't, you know, not talk about certain things. They could talk about the whole universe now, which I think is what Spider-Man should be about. And it kind of just, and it kind of like, it's, it's starting over again in a way, which is kind of cool too. But, you know, I think this is probably a better start than all the previous Spider-Mans. I mean, that's my take yeah. on that. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into spoilers too much with, uh, with Frank not seeing it, but I really did enjoy that we did not have to see Uncle Ben die <laughs> again. <laughs> That was yeah. I was pretty excited about that too. I was like, "Oh man, when does Uncle Ben die? Let's let's go for that, you know." But uh, no, it's not there. I mean, sorry, Frank. He doesn't die. He's already dead. So well, that's that's fine. I understand. <laughs> I, I, that's not even a spoiler. I already knew that. They said know. it wasn't. Gonna I, don't, be. I don't know if you knew Uncle Ben di- died already. I don't know. And you know, yeah. No, they I mean, they. That was pretty clear they were trying not to go for an origin story in this one. So Yeah, they at least skipped that part of it. So it's like Spider-Man already knows he's Spider-Man and that sort of thing. So that was good. And Can I just had... point out something that I'm not even sure you guys may have known, but there was a really good film that came out recently starring Michael Keaton called Birdman in which he's a washed-up ex-superhero actor 
who played a character named Birdman, who was a Birdman. And then in Spider-Man Homecoming, he plays a mechanical Birdman. Yeah. There's no way that was a coincidence. Yeah, um, I mean, I'm sorry. I, I, I noticed it that. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure plenty of people have noticed it. I just, I still crack up when I think about it, that's all. I mean, I didn't really tie it together until you just said that, really. But, I mean, yeah, now that you say that, it makes sense. But, oh, watch Birdman. It's a really good movie yeah. if you haven't seen it. Yet. I only saw Not, it at the beginning of it, but no, I haven't had a chance to watch it all. It's a fantastic film. Anyway, I'm um, sorry, Matt, you were going to say something. I don't, yeah, I don't remember what I was going to say now. Sorry. Thanks, Frank. <laughs> Anyways, uh, let's, we can continue on with our movie talk. So, Frank had a chance to see uh, War for the Planet of the Apes. So, I mean, yeah. Frank, you know, just want to kick that off? If you had told me seven years ago that there was going to be a trilogy of films uh, playing off as prequels to the Planet of the Apes films, um, the 1967 first film, uh, sort of a prequel to those, I would have been like, oh, it's going to be just unlikable garbage, even with Andy Serkis, also, who also played Gollum and King Kong and uh, those respective movies. Um, I would have laughed at you. I would have... What? He also plays Snoke. Okay, well, I mean, that's neat, but... But, I mean, that's not even... He just sat there. He didn't even do anything. Anyway, um, he's really good at... Uh, motion capture but anyway uh i i would have laughed it, it was it was um it was a very good film it was probably one of the better kind of summer movies i've seen in a long time it capped off the trilogy really well while still making it feel like they could do more without it being unnecessary it didn't have a sequel hook it you could basically see this last movie be like oh okay when some indeterminate amount of time passes and then we've got the original planet of the apes or they could just reboot that entirely um, but it was exceptionally well shot it was exceptionally well acted um, I just like the other films everyone's motivations are kind of muddy uh, you kind of feel for the humanity even though they're kind of the bad guys in this one but just this particular group um, there's some pretty sly references to other Planet of the Apes things uh, at different points in the film if you're a longtime fan which I thought were kind of cool but it was a gorgeous movie, and we finally reached the point where, even though I'm watching CGI apes for most of the film, I didn't, I didn't even think about it. I wasn't like, oh, that is a computer animated ape on the screen. I just, it just, it was just there. It was a believable, realistic part of the world, and that's kind of crazy to think about. I didn't even think about it once during the whole film. And usually the illusion is gone uh, in a lot of CGI-heavy films. But yes, I would highly recommend it. It's more than likely probably one of the best movies coming out this year that will probably not get nearly as much attention as it deserves, just like the other films, just because we really, really like our superheroes. Would you... I'm, I know this is going to be a bold statement, and this movie isn't even out yet, but do you think it might even be better than the Emoji movie? <laughs> well, I don't think we'll ever achieve the high art, the Emoji movie. The Emoji movie, I mean, I feel as though that movie will change the world, that it will be a transcendent experience. Uh, frankly, it's going to be the next Citizen Kane. They might have to stop making movies 
They might just stop making movies afterwards because nothing, everything will pale in comparison. They're gonna I, just, they're just gonna cancel it. They're gonna cancel every movie because that's a movie that somebody said, you know, the kids like these emojis. Let's make a movie about them. Yeah, uh, I mean, I saw the trailer earlier. It's, uh, I mean, I don't want to use this phrasing just because you know it's like, you know, maybe not the best, but I think it's pretty lit. I mean, that's what I would say. Um, I mean, they they even use Japanese in it. They say Konnichiwa in it. That's that's pretty insane. Oh, wow, that's very cultural. I know, that's right? Like, cultural. Do, you, do you think it, it could be the next Pixels? I mean, Pixels, oh my god, that was a great movie. Um, <laughs> high art, high art. <laughs> Adam Sandler's probably Adam a highest Sandler achievement. Is it, it truly was his crowning achievement? He doesn't phone it in, guys. He really, really cares. I'm actually uh, surprised that they didn't. Did they not? Like, was Adam Sandler not available for the Emoji movie? I'm just curious. Like, why? Oh, is you he not... know, you know, he's gonna have some wicked sweet cameo, and I we're mean, gonna he... find it's actually a sequel to Pixels. I hope so. It's not made by his production company, so he can't make a bunch of money off of it. So no, uh, oh. for just for just showing up in the movie. Oh, that's unfortunate. That's too bad. I, I just feel like he kind of missed the, the the train on this. I think he could have had so much money, and this could have been his pinnacle of his career, but he missed it. So you know, as amazing as it is to talk about Adam Sandler's just just dynamic, uh, just legacy of filmmaking, I feel as though we should probably move on. Suffice to say. War for the Planet of the Apes was awesome. Go see it if you haven't already. I will do that soonish. Yeah, I mean, I plan on. I haven't really watched the other ones, and I need to do that catch up. But I, I, I watched the other ones, so you know why things are the way they are. Yeah, I think. So I need they to are very that. much a a true trilogy movie series. Like you really do have to see all of them. Well, yeah, sure let's hang that. out. Let's hang out, bro. I have them all on Blu-ray. Oh man, dude! I mean, good thing you have on Blu-ray because I can't watch anything less, so that's good. Um, catch on the blue. Yeah, I mean, gotta make sure. I mean, the thing is, pixels made me realize that there's pixels in the world, so I gotta watch Blu-ray. Um, anyways, anyways. Um, <laughs> that was a really stupid joke. We apologize for that. We will be fired. Best joke in North America. Anyways, so the Han Solo film is in trouble, guys. Did you hear? Oh my. Gosh, I'm. You know what? I'm so looking forward to this movie. You know what's frustrating about this is that I love Star Wars. Matt knows I love Star Wars. Matt loves Star Wars. Matt loves Star, Star Wars. Wars. It's frustrating because I want to like, I want to like these announcements and be excited about these movies. But if you told me a character that needed a standalone film, I would have rather have seen Boba Fett as. Blies, I really think he is, or Captain Phasma, if they wanted to get like, you know, you know, with the newer movies, or or an Obi Wan standalone. Like, I'll, we can talk about that another time. But seriously, I have some cool ideas for that. Uh, but instead, we're gonna get Han Solo, the character that works because he's sort of enigmatic and mysterious. Instead, we're just gonna get everything explained, and they're gonna probably do it in the most clumsy way possible. There's a certain vagueness to movies like Rogue One that you can get away with where it's kind of like, yeah, you know, these were a bunch of kind of nobodies, but they did a really cool thing and they aren't really remembered because they died. And But we know Han Solo's arc. We know where things go with him. I don't really think he's the kind of character that should have his own movie. 
production problems notwithstanding. Um, and Matt, do you want to get into some of those? Yeah, I mean, the the creative aspects, you you got into them pretty well, so I won't retread that ground. I, I agree with you on the creative aspect of it. But the production problems are apparently, I correct me if I'm wrong, apparently like 80% of the movie's already filmed. Like a lot of the movie's already filmed, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. And then they had, and then they fired these. They fired these directors because these directed directors wanted it to be. I think they wanted a more comedy tone, as opposed they, to. For for context, they they were the ones responsible for the Lego Movie, which was a critical and financial success. Moving but, on. But yeah, I don't think I, I personally wouldn't hire the people who directed the Lego movies to make a Star Wars movie with that. That's just me. I don't work at Disney, so. But, so they fired these directors because they wanted a different tone. They got in Ron Howard, which, Ron Howard, that was standing. And now, 80% of the movie's done. They've hired an acting coach for the actor playing Han Solo. I can never say his name right. Uh, so I'm not going to. As I think his name is like what? Something uh, I can break. Alden Einreich. Not a not German name. Yeah, Alden Einreich. I think so. Yeah. Okay, Young Han Solo. We'll just call him out. So Young Han Solo can't act. So yeah, just it just seems like it's kind of a a mess over there at Disney with Han Solo movie that nobody asked for. It's a bit of a sad thing because you know they issues with some of the plots. And things like that I've had, there's still been competent films. I'm not worried about the production quality of them, but it is a bit disheartening to hear about it. Thankfully, Last Jedi looks like it's going to probably be another really safe Star Wars movie, which is frustrating, but I'm sure it won't disappoint either. Uh, I think it's just more, there's no real risk taking, and that's what's really frustrating me. Like, you know, the prequels had a lot of issues, and I'm not going to defend them. But at least they felt like distinctly different movies than the original trilogy. They weren't just the same three movies again. And based on what we've seen of Last Jedi, it just looks like Empire. And while I think Empire is the best of the original movies, I don't think we need to emulate it over and over and over again. Well, I mean, could you say that them taking risks could be like the Han Solo movie and Rogue One? Like that's them. That's where they can do the risk, whereas those won't be as like I think like a, the same success, though. I mean, I feel I like think that's risky, what they're trying to do. I think a risky movie would be a Star Wars movie that tries to stay away from known elements. Like, Rogue One may have been its own thing with fairly unknown characters and things, but it still ultimately revolved around plot points we know about. Yeah, and Han Solo is, is the most popular Star Wars original trilogy character, I'd say, right? I mean, I mean maybe yeah. besides Luke I, and Darth Vader. but Yeah, besides, besides it's like Luke, Darth Vader... Lando. Han Solo, like Lando, Lando Princess, like, yeah. like Han Solo is like ridiculously popular. It's it's a safe bet to get people in the seats, and like you said, Frank, Rogue One was just like, hey, you love the original trilogy stuff. Here's two hours of Tie Fighters and X Wings and Death Star and Darth Vader. It's like, yeah, it wasn't. It, that was still a safe mo- movie. Like aside from the darker tone and the the gritty warlike feel like it was still a fairly safe movie it didn't take a whole lot of bets no and you know in this 
the kind of darker tone was a bit, you know, I think a little overstated. I think I think a Star Wars movie, if it really wants to be experimental, needs to feel like not Rogue One didn't feel like it would belong in a regular trilogy film series, but it it still felt Star Warsy, and I would have liked it if it had a little bit more of a I don't know. I, I don't know. I don't like this whole grim dark trend that we keep having in all these movies where everything's dark and gritty and and I feel like Rogue One was probably the only balance you could really get to. But I, I think that's it though. I don't I guess I don't know what else to say about it. Yeah. And and I like said before, and I'm just gonna say it because we're talking about Star Wars, but I think a really cool way to experiment with Star Wars would be like a slice of life obi-wan film in between episodes three and four and make it in the style of like the old um man with no name clint eastwood westerns like obi-wan rolls into random town good the bad and the ugly yeah something like that and and rolls into town there's something going on he can't be like a jedi so he's got to use his wits and his surroundings to take down some adversary and you can have cute little nods like maybe younger luke just showing up or something but but don't but still make it a western like have it be a cool genre film don't make it be like yeah this is how they got the death star plans but it basically is just return of the jedi at the end with a multi-strand battle and you know, i don't know it, it just it, it was fun and i liked rogue one as a star wars fan as a film fan it just felt real hollow no i think and, i i would like i would like it if more star wars movies did that as well like make a western in the star wars universe or make a horror movie in the star wars movie or pick a pick a different genre for each movie and then try to set that in the star wars movie like i think i think that would be really cool and like i love obi-wan i think there should be an obi-wan trilogy but i think it'd be even better if they just pick some like random bounty hunter and it's just like hey it's like he's like good the bad and the ugly have fun that could be fun too. It doesn't have to be Obi Wan, but it just yeah. You can even do that with Boba Fett. He's kind of like an anti-hero. I mean, why not? Yeah. It just it's it's just kind of moved in a direction that um I feel like every movie is gonna feel the same because I mean, mark my words, there's going to be a big starship encounter in the Han Solo movie. There's gonna be some spaceship battle. Well, he's got to test out. He's got to test out everything on the Millennium Falcon, bro. So yeah, it's, of course, it I might mean, not. Shit. It'll be something like a bunch of gangsters against the Empire. It's not going to be the Rebellion or anything, but it's going to be something like that. And you know, it's just the formula worked in the original films because it hadn't really been done like that in cinema. It had been done in it had been done in film and books and things, but it hadn't been done that way yet. But now we've seen that, and I just. I think Disney thinks Star Wars for older fans needs to be grim and gritty and everybody dies uh, and everything. And I don't think that's the direction Star Wars needs to go in. But we're kind of going over on Star Wars. We can move on. I didn't mean to kind of go on a tangent there. Well, that's fine. I, I mean, we're talking about Han Solo film. And I think that kind of just talks about just the overall feeling of Star Wars in general. Because, I mean, I mean, I think most people can agree that it's it's too safe right now. I mean, they're just yeah. copying everything, and they might as, they should go a new direction. And I think it's, a lot of people do want that. I think it's just dangerous because the prequels, you know, as well intentioned as they may have been, were the last time they experimented, and it 
it's it's interesting because it added a lot to the mythology and the music was spectacular, but it was just so clumsy, and that's what the the problem with those films because they could have been so much better if you had someone behind the wheel that kind of got what was going on instead of well we'll have them we'll have them fight with droids and clones, but they'll all be CGI. I'm gonna go eat a salad. That was George Lucas. It doesn't help that George <laughs> Lucas is it's it's George Lucas. Like who's gonna tell him no with his own franchise? Well, that's the thing. People did tell him no, and that's why we have Empire, and that's why everyone holds it up so high. Yeah, and I mean, then he now, but then, but now with the prequels is what I was referring to. Yeah, well, that's that's true. But I mean, again, um, he at least you can say he took a risk, and I mean, was there a risk worth taking? Who knows? But at least he tried something. So, yeah. I mean, well, again, we all know how that turned out, but yeah, I mean, he tried. So, he, it's, it at least felt different. Yeah. And if you had a, a more competent director try to do something different, I think it would work out. Yeah. Uh, I just don't know if we're there yet. Sure. I mean, I, I, I'm, ex- it's sad that the most, the most exciting thing about Star Wars this year was the park announcements and, um, Star Wars Battlefront 2. I'm way more excited about that than I am for Last Jedi. Although I'm still going to see Last Jedi opening day. So, I mean, for me, for me personally, whenever there's like new Star Wars movies out, I'm always excited about new ships for X-wing. So that that's just me. Yeah, Matt, you've only you haven't been playing that for a year yet. You cannot say that. I mean, get new ships, man. I mean, speaking of uh, games, whatever, like Battlefront 2. Um, let's let's get into the game stuff. You know, um, so yeah. I mean, Monster Hunter. Uh, what like what's going on with that? Like Frank, like I know you're excited about well, that. Monster looks Hunter awesome. World looks amazing. It looks like it's they finally released a lot more gameplay and how the basic structure is. For those who don't know, Monster Hunter is a series where you are a monster hunter in a fictional world and you hunt monsters, which you know, go figure. Um, and when you hunt those monsters, you you kill them, then you take their bits and pieces to make better armor and weapons to kill bigger monsters so you can take their bits and pieces to get bigger armor and weapons and the cycle continues um they are extremely addicting extremely fun as a fan of dinosaurs i love their crazy super dinosaurs they come up with in this uh in this series it's not just dinosaur like creatures there's other things too like apes and strange dragon ball z monkeys but you know get into that another time um, but Monster Hunter World is taking it in a much more open direction. There will still be like different themed maps, but instead of them having loading areas between the areas in those maps, it will be seamless. Uh, it has drop-in, drop-out, drop-out co-op, which is a first for the series. Um, there's an actual ecosystem in each map, which is something that they've toyed with but never really fully executed. That means that if you lure a... a terrible creature to another terrible creature's layer there's a kind of hierarchy and territory thing and you can kind of get that other creature to fight the other creature for a minute for you to heal up or uh do other strategies they seem to be uh combining both the strategic intelligent combat system from monster hunter and kind of lending it a little bit more mobility you're not nearly as like landlocked as you used to be uh, previous games have toyed with like aerial jumps and styles, but this looks like it's a lot more about using your environment to your advantage instead of I have big sword, I hit monster now. 
Uh, I'm extremely excited about it. I hope you guys are too. It would be a really awesome co-op game to play. Um, and frankly, it's a series that doesn't get enough love, especially in the West. And this is a great way to bring it over. It'll be on PS4, Xbox One, and PC. And that's a great... Finally. Like, I love the portable ones. Don't get me wrong. I'm still a little sad we're not getting a Switch game. But it's looking great, guys. I'm pretty excited. Even if you've never played one before, this looks like the one to start with. Because it's going to be considerably different, but still similar. I mean, I'll say that's probably the thing that made me never want to play Monster Hunters. is Because I've actually... I don't think I've really owned a system that um, it was on. Like, that was probably one of the issues for me. Um, I mean, was it released on any other kind of systems that were, like, just your standard systems? Because I didn't, I haven't really owned any I mean, portables. The first game was on PS2. Yeah. But, and then and they did Monster Hunter 3 Ultimate for the Wii U, but yeah. that also came out on the 3DS at the same time, and the 3DS version was my preferred version. Okay. Oh, and then Monster Hunter Tri was on the Wii, now that I think about it. But it's... It's one of those games that, you know, we get a lot of love for games like Dark Souls and Bloodborne, and those are excellent, but Monster Hunter takes that formula, kind of did it first, and is a bit more... Dark Souls teaches you some different lessons, but they, they're they comparable. If you, if you like games like Dark Souls, you'll like games like Monster Hunter, even though it's a different kind of difficulty. It's, it's pretty much all bosses, you know, there's not really levels, so to speak, but that's why it's it's so fun. Hey, Matt, have you played Monster Hunter at all? Uh, like, I dabbled on the 3DS with 3 and 4. Okay. They're, I mean, they're fun. I, I couldn't really get into them, but Monster Hunter World's looking... It looks like a lot of fun. It looks like Skyrim with monsters, and I'm all about that. Sounds great. I'd say it's a little like Skyrim. It actually reminded me of... Uh... Metal Gear Solid Five: The Phantom Pain, and like the open world structure, and uh, you really have to think on the fly and adjust your strategy and approach things differently. But yeah, I, I mean, I guess I see a little Skyrim. It's not going to be quite that open though. It's going to be more. You still have like a hub world to meet up at and everything. Um, like the older games. But I'm super jazzed about that. For sure, much hype. So. Like, for other games, uh, I know, Frank, you've been playing Elite Dangerous. You actually have featured it on a stream before, um, which is battery, batteries fully charged on, you know, Twitch. Um, so, I mean, how do you been liking that game so far? I mean, I watched you play a that, little bit. That game is, like, it's so good. I, it's so good to me. It's one of those games that I fully realize that you have to ha have a certain kind of mindset and kind of a a certain fantasy about this kind of thing, but the game is a space sim. Um, you, you fly in first person to do various tasks in a one-to-one -one recreation of the Milky Way galaxy. It takes place in the year 3300. Um, it's, it's awesome. There's a lot of lore behind it. It's actually a long running series. This, this game actually came out in 2014 on PC, but it's finally out for PS4. I finally have a way to play it. Um, it's, it is not for the faint of heart. Like there is a lot of difficult to parse terminology and situations and controls. It's not unfair about it, but it, it respects you as an adult to figure it out. It doesn't really lay it out for you. And that's one of the appealing things for me. I, there's no story to speak of while there is a narrative, 
It has just as much of a story as real life, as in like how what players do in the game affects affects the how the world plays out. There was uh, some community goals that had happened recently, and a monarch was killed. And then they had a whole novel they released about that event, and that was all in, impacted by human players. The lore has been in place for a long time on this series, and they're they're just adding to it. It's not quite as nuts as Eve Online, if you guys have heard of that, where it's like all player made stories. Yeah, but I know more about it. <laughs> but uh, um, Elite has more of a hands on experience. Um, like right now, there's a community goal because the developers are setting up for the 2.4 patch, which is going to add in... Um, and There have been teased little encounters with like alien life. This is a, a galaxy that's very realistic, isn't it? It's just us. There's little signs that maybe life, life existed um, in other places, um, but it's never been quite as fleshed out until now and now that looks like aliens are they're 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 actually going to become a part of it and they're really alien too it's not little gray people it's like holy hell what is that i don't even know what i'm looking at right now um i actually there's an event that can happen if you're in a certain area and if you're warping through space there's a chance you get pulled out of warp which is something not even any human ship could do and then all your systems shut down and you get scanned by an alien and it is just creepy like it's really really creepy like i did not expect it the first time it happened like it 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 was terrifying to say the least um yes it's an excellent game it rewards your time but you have to have the patience for it it's not it's not a game that you're gonna just pick up and get you have to put time into it it took me a while to get into it and i have a lot of experience with sim and flight games so um if it took a while for me it's gonna take a long time for somebody who hasn't really ever played a sim style game it's not so realistic that you got to like eat or anything but but you are on a spaceship you can't run the things you gotta play smart uh if you're in a ship that's rated for trading don't get into fights for the love of come on but it's it's a really cool game and i can't recommend it enough if you haven't watched the streams they're archived on our our channel um i'm 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 very impressed with it it's a cool game i wish i could have played it sooner that's great Matt, have you tried it out? Oh no. Yeah, I played a little bit of it. Okay. Like, what is, what's your take on it? Uh, I I'm having a hard time getting into it. Like, I'm I'm trying to get into it, but I I think it's I think it hit, hit Frank got hooked on it harder than I am. I still enjoy it, and I still enjoy what the game's going for, but it's just it's just taking me a lot longer to get into it than I thought I would. But I do I do enjoy it though. Yeah, I just I'm just not hooked yet. Yeah, I mean I haven't tried it out myself. Um, I mean I've never been into like Sims, so I probably won't be picking it up. But I mean it is interesting to watch, and I mean I think it's a definitely a novel concept to deal with space and just like making it like more open world than like a lot of games tend to be. So I mean I I'm all for that. Um, so I mean, is there any other games that you guys have been playing lately, like Matt? Uh, no, I've been playing some Battlefield here and there. Same. Nothing, nothing crazy. I haven't been playing anything ridiculous lately. Yeah, I mean, with Battlefield, they made it so that, um, 
like was that just like a a week thing or a weekend thing for the premium frank or what was that yeah anyone could play for the weekend i think i have a feeling oh is it that's cool i have a feeling that they're gonna start toying with a way to make it to where anyone can play the maps at any time but you don't get access to certain other things i think that would be probably smarter than the method they've done because it seems like ea and dice are trying to fix that with battlefront battlefront 2's dlc the maps at least and the characters will all be free but they'll have microtransactions in a different way and i think for battlefield one they're trying to slowly move in that direction i still think getting premium is going to be worthwhile they'll find a way to reward players who already have it but it, I'm tired of getting these games, and they're super awesome, and these new maps come out, and they're amazing, but then nobody plays them after a month because, you know, it, it, not everyone has them. It's hard to find a game. Segmenting your player base is never a wise thing, and I don't think that this helps at all. Yeah. Star Wars Battlefront really, really felt it from that. There were some really cool modes that you can't play now because no one's playing those modes anymore. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. I think a game that does that well, even though I know that not everyone does play as Counter-Strike, um, they do, like, their operations, like, once a year or whenever they decide to do them. And everyone can play the maps that they release and competitive. But the thing is, like, there's a $6, like, uh, pass that gives you some extras. So, like, you can still play the new maps and stuff like that and some of the new modes. But to get the full experience, you do have to pay a little bit extra. So, I mean, so you get a taste of it at least and it, and you get the same like experience or whatever that someone else that did buy it so i don't know i think that's a model that they should start doing or just making so that like there's a little bit of incentive to pay but at the same time making so at least you can try it out or at least enjoy it like everyone else and then again you don't segment your player base so yeah well at least rainbow six siege did that as well yeah that was really smart too these publishers are strapped for cash so i mean (laughs) whatever keeps the lights on I mean, you know, Ubisoft it's, isn't making that money, guys. Like, well, you know, what's what's nice is a lot of studios are wising up to that model and finding a way to make money otherwise. Because uh, I don't really want to use Overwatch as an example, um, but um, they do it. Siege does it, where yeah, you get everyone gets the maps, no matter what. But uh, not everyone gets the characters or some other feature right away. You can either grind it out and get it that way, or you can spend or buy premium currency. Um, I, I like that model because I don't feel... The last thing I want is to be the only one playing a map or a mode. But, and then they further segment these modes too. Like for Battlefield, for example, it's a series I love, and I wish they'd stop doing this, but... You buy premium, and if you get premium, you can play the new maps a week before everybody else, or two weeks before everybody else, which, okay, so you're only playing with premium users. But then when the maps come out for everyone else, they don't really advertise it, and it doesn't really add to that base, and not everyone's going to spend 15 bucks on an expansion, even no matter how much content it has. And they add six new maps now in these expansions. That's sweet, but that's six more maps that I'm never going to get to play because... The people who want to play them, play them for the first month, and then, okay, I'm over it. Yep. And I it's mean, it's frustrating. It's a weird model. Yeah, for sure. And, I mean, just to kind of wrap up games a little bit, like, I know Frank and I, we've been playing uh, some fighting games on our stream as well. We plan on doing that, at least trying to do that every Tuesday. I mean, we might do it tomorrow. I don't know, like, what what's your plan for tomorrow? We could set that up, obviously. I don't, I don't care. We talk about that afterwards. Yeah, for sure. So that'd be all fine. Um, but yeah, so 
other than that, um, I think we can wrap it up for the most part. I mean, for our website, we're going to be planning on actually doing like a schedule of um, actually doing articles and also doing features. I mean, is there anything in the pipeline for you guys right now? Yeah, I was going to write up about Elite Dangerous. And I know Matt has an X-Wing thing we've been sitting on. Yep. I think Brent has some stuff out there too. Who knows? Um, I personally have not. Um, I might write some things about some recent stuff in the Counter-Strike scene. There was actually some big news today about uh, some people actually getting unbanned for a match fixing uh, about two years ago. It was actually in my previous article or feature. Um, so I might talk a little bit about that. That should be exciting. But yeah, I think we're going to get back in the swing of things. You know, life is slowing down a little bit, hopefully for us. So we'll be able to do some more stuff with our website. Um, but yeah, do you guys have anything else to add? Nope, I'm set. I am also good. All right, sounds great. Well, you know, again, you can always check us out on our website. It's at batteriesfullycharged.com. Um, also, you can check out our Twitter at BF Charged. And um, yeah, you know, we'll, I'm sign off. My name is Joe. Uh, Frank and Matt, um, I guess we're going to be uh, heading out. Peace out, guys. Bye. Easy.